0: I'm Marianne kolbasak mcgee Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with privacy attorney Adam Green of the law firm Davis Wright Tremaine. Adam will be discussing some challenges he sees with business associates and help data privacy and security issues. Hi, Adam. Hi, Marianne. Now, OCR just recently announced a new resolution agreement and a financial settlement of $750,000 with a cancer care practice. But we still haven't seen OCR announce any HIPAA resolution agreements or settlements with business associates related to data breaches. Do you think there's enforcement activity going on behind the scenes between OCR and BAs? And when do you think we'll be seeing some enforcement action involving BAs?
1: So I think there probably is work going on behind the scenes. You know what we tend to see for settlement agreements is an average of maybe two, sometimes three years, um, with respect to between the incident occurring and, you know, for example, breach reporting to OCR if it's a reportable breach, and then then the resolution agreement might come out two or three years later. And so we first had compliance obligations, at least from HHS's perspective, for business associates in September 2013. So we're just, I think, entering into the time where if, for example, you are a business associate and you had an incident on September 23rd, 2013, we might be getting closer to the idea of it being resolved at this point through resolution agreements. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe the next year we, we see our first business associate action from something that happened in, say, end of 2013, beginning of 2014. But because it takes two to three years, it may even take longer before we see our first settlement there.
0: That's a good point, because the breach that was the center of this latest settlement happened in 2012. Now, in your dealings with BAs, what are they still struggling with the most these days when it comes to health data privacy and security?
1: I think BAs share a lot of the same issues as covered entities. I think the risk assessment continues to be the, the biggest challenge, and part of it is not necessarily having a risk assessment that aligns with OCR guidance. Uh, a lot of people, business associates included, will focus more on a gap assessment, You know, whether it be looking at... The HIPAA security rule requires ABC, do we have that, or maybe it's even ISO or something like that, versus OCR is really looking for a catalog of all the places that you have PHI, all the threats to that, all the vulnerabilities and the corresponding risks, which is very different than a gap assessment. And I think business associates, just like covered entities, oftentimes struggle with getting that right.
0: So that sounds like something that they should be paying attention to, especially since the pattern with the resolution agreements we've been seeing, there's usually a risk assessment deficiency somewhere along the line.
1: Right. Every business associate, when they you know, see one of these settlements, should be taking notice. And for example, there was a settlement a year or two back on copying machines and the idea of returning copying machines with their hard drives intact with PHI on them. You know, if you're a business associate, look back to your, you know, look at whether you have a risk assessment and does it include, you know, places like fax machines, copying machines, you know, if you have those and if those include potentially PHI. You want to make sure that when you see a new settlement about, a mobile device being stolen, do you have a risk assessment that identifies the risk of one of your workforce members having a mobile device that has PHI and that gets stolen? And and what have you put in place to, to reduce that risk?
0: How much scrutiny or oversight should covered entities have over their business associates and what steps the business associates are actually taking to protect patient data?
1: Well, yeah, I I think a risk-based approach makes a lot of sense. You know, not all business associates are the same. You know, some have a lot more or a lot more sensitive data than others, and those would certainly warrant much greater resources with respect to oversight. You also want to look at... Do they have a good third-party assessment that's happening on a periodic basis where you know that you don't necessarily need to be as focused because someone else is going in there and checking their information security regularly? Or is that not happening, in which case you may be forced for one reason or another to be using this business associate, but it may become more important for you to go and audit them? Now, I don't know of any covered entities that have the resources to do as much auditing of business associates as they would necessarily like. Uh, and, and that's part of where this risk assessment becomes that much more important, looking at where your biggest vulnerabilities are with respect to business associates and focusing your resources there.
0: Now, in terms of covered entities dealing with business associates, what's the biggest mistake the covered entities generally make?
1: I think the biggest mistake is a get a business associate agreement, sign on the dotted line, and think that they're now worry-free because they're compliant with HIPAA. Now, truth be told, you are compliant with HIPAA by doing that. Um, In most cases, you don't necessarily need to do anything more unless you learn of a pattern or practice of the business associate violating that agreement. But while you may not be liable under HIPAA, if there's a breach, that's going to ultimately fall on you. you know, the business associate has to report the breach to you, and then it falls to you to notify the individuals to end up on the HHS website potentially. And so to safeguard against that, you need to take additional steps. You, you need to have in place a good due diligence program looking at some combination of third-party assessments or your own security questionnaires or even on-site audits where appropriate.
0: What's the biggest mistake you see business associates make with subcontractors? Much of the
1: same mistakes. I think it's they, they the subcontractor is willing to sign an agreement and they think that's kind of the end of it and they face the same exposure. And um, you you especially have to be careful when you're the middleman because you don't want to get in the situation where, for example, the subcontractor is unwilling to take on liability. So, for example, you might have a big cloud provider who will provide the service but won't provide indemnification. And then you might have, on the other side, a, a hospital or other covered entity who is contracting with you and is insisting that you provide full indemnification. And what that chain leads to is if your subcontractor does something wrong, you don't have the ability to get indemnification from them, but you're going to essentially have to pay the covered entity up the chain for what went wrong by the subcontractor. So that puts you squarely in the middle. And so you want to be very sensitive to those situations. Sometimes they're unavoidable, but you just want to go in with, with full knowledge and make sure you've got appropriate insurance to cover that contingency.
0: FDA recently issued an alert urging hospitals to discontinue use of an infusion pump or a line of infusion pumps from one medical device maker due to cybersecurity issues. Now, are medical device makers considered business associates of covered entities? And if so, what's your advice to covered entities in light of FDA's warnings about cyber issues?
1: So... Most times, medical device manufacturers are not business associates. There, There is guidance on this point that clarifies that they, they may themselves be a healthcare provider. I and mean, you, you could have, for example, a device representative in the room helping ensure that the device is appropriately used, but you still wouldn't have a business associate relationship there. Now, there is some exceptions. You know, if you have the device manufacturer look at your protected health information to calculate potential cost savings using their device versus another, that's something that the guidance says would create a business associate relationship, but, but that's the exception. Most times, these device manufacturers are not going to be business associates. With respect to the FDA, that's we're seeing the tip of the iceberg here. We, we've been hearing for some time about the vulnerabilities of medical devices, and you know we have this FDA instruction with respect to these specific insulin pumps, but the reality is the entire medical device ecosystem is riddled with vulnerabilities that could be taken advantage of, and we just haven't seen information security as a top priority, at least that's my impression, of medical device manufacturers in the past. And the, the only way I see that changing is further FDA actions like this, where Device manufacturers know that people will not use their device because the FDA won't let them without adequate information security or market forces where healthcare providers say we need to know that your device is secure, that it's going to be patched any time a vulnerability uh, is discovered. This is has become a priority for us. Absent those forces, I think we're going to continue to see widespread vulnerabilities in the medical device sector.
0: Now finally it's been about 2 years now since HIPAA Omnibus final rule went into effect. What do you think has been the biggest impact so far?
1: It's a good question. You know, I think the audits are not omnibus, but that that's had a big impact. The direct liability on business associates, I think has probably had the most impact, although without enforcement yet against a business associate, I think most, uh, there's still a long way to go on that front. You know, I I think the bigger issue has been what was a big deal with omnibus rule and hasn't had an impact. Like we saw a lot of concern about, for example, um, restriction on out-of-pocket payments and how to put that into practice. But you know, we haven't seen that. I haven't been hearing about that as an issue as much of late.
0: Thanks, Adam. I've been speaking to attorney Adam Green. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.